Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so excited that you are with us. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Bethany. I'm the worship director here. It's truly our honor and our privilege to spend this time with you. So we want to welcome you. If it's your first time with us, or maybe your first time back in a long time, special welcome to you. If you are worshiping with us online from wherever the Lord has you today, welcome to you as well. I want to remind you that we have online hosts available all throughout the service to answer any questions you have and specifically to pray with you. We want you to feel connected to this community even from far away. So please take advantage of that chat, participate in that throughout the service, and use the request prayer button for a one-on-one prayer chat with one of our hosts. Well, I am excited to spend this time in worship with you all this morning. And our call to worship for today comes from Psalm 136. I'd love to invite you now to stand, if you are able, for the reading of God's word. Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's sing praises this morning to our God, who is good. Good. 
Praise the Lord. Let's continue in worship together this morning.
Colossians chapter 1, speaking about Jesus Christ, says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Let's continue singing worship to our great Jesus.
Let's come before the Lord together in prayer. Heavenly Father, that, that's our prayer this morning, that we would be reminded that nothing in this world will do. Nothing in this world, nothing in this life can satisfy us. Nothing in this life can give us our identity, our salvation, our relationship with you, our source of hope. And Father, there's a lot of things in our lives that are trying. They're trying to distract us. They're trying to discourage us. They're trying to stir up doubt and division. And we just speak against that in Jesus' name, knowing that it's all about Jesus. It's always been Jesus. I pray for each person in this room, those who are worshiping with us from far away. Holy Spirit, will you just give us each a sense of your nearness to us? Make us aware of your presence. We know we don't have to invite you to be here. We don't have to ask you to come. You're already here. But will you raise our awareness of your presence with us? Will you open our eyes today to see something new about you? Will you open our ears to hear and be receptive to your truth? Will you open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us today? God, I know not a single person is here by mistake. You've known since before time began that this exact group of your people would be gathered today to worship you and to receive something from your word. So I pray that each person would have their heart softened to you, that we would receive your word, that we might leave here transformed, that we might leave here looking just a little bit more like Jesus, reflecting his love and his light to the world around us. Father, as we prepare to celebrate this baptism today, as we prepare to hear from your holy word, may we not take it lightly, the good and beautiful and miraculous things that are happening in this very place today. Father, we love you. All of this is for you. Be honored and glorified in our midst, we pray in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, good morning. It's a very special morning today. We get to celebrate baptism. You know, the Bible teaches us that um, all of heaven, we've been talking a lot about heaven as we've been going through our Revelation series these past several weeks, but it says that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. And so every time someone makes a faith commitment or wants to get baptized at Springbrook, it is a big deal. So we celebrate that. Uh, baptism is an opportunity for somebody to publicly confess their faith in Christ. It's, it's an outward symbol of something that they've come to believe in their heart. And so we come to understand our need for a relationship with Christ, that we are sinners separated from God, that Jesus Christ through his death on the cross is a solution for that sin. We, we place our faith in him. He becomes our Lord and our Savior. We ask him to come into our life, and we enter into a covenant relationship with God. He promises us to save us and give us new life to the full, and we promise to love him, to serve him, to make him the Lord of our life. And so baptism is an outward symbol of that inward commitment that someone uh, has made. This morning we get to celebrate baptism with a gentleman, Kyle Hayes. Uh, it's been a privilege for me to get to just be a part of what God's been doing in your life, uh, Kyle. I think you and I have met a couple years ago. Yeah, if you can pull that out of there. Tell, tell me a little bit. Do you remember when we met? When did we, uh, when did we meet? I want to say June 2019. Yeah, June 20. It's been, it's been almost uh, two. It's been a solid two years. I know COVID kind of... Uh, uh, Put a little, you know, <laughs> kind of missed the ball our calendars, didn't it? What were we doing? How did we meet? You remember? I was buying furniture off you. A Facebook marketplace. Facebook, yeah, yeah. Every appointment is a divine appointment. It doesn't matter whether you're selling something on Facebook marketplace, standing near somebody in the grocery line. 
and uh, I can remember our conversations. I know you were new to the area. We connected with, uh, came out of Arkansas. My wife was from Arkansas. Next thing you know, we're talking about church, and uh, you were looking for a men's group. And so uh, for the last two years, I've had that connection point just in the bottom of my mind. I know you visited here uh, at the end of 2019, and so I think you've had an opportunity to visit. And so it's been exciting just to be able to dialogue with you about where you are with your faith, what you're looking for in a men's group. And so I know recently you had an opportunity to make a faith commitment. So tell us a little about that. Well, how did that happen? Uh, a couple weeks ago, I watched a video with uh, Pastor Joseph, and uh, I went home and read the things he gave me and said yeah. the prayers, and yeah. it went from there. Yeah, I know. I know it's, it's fun when you read through Scripture. Um, where you just, it was funny this morning, even this morning, you said you turned to uh, John, you were reading through where Jesus got baptized and was baptizing people. And so, you know, scripture just comes alive. Right. And so I am, I'm really excited for you. I know you've been, uh, you've been starting to read the word. I know that uh, you've made a faith commitment. And uh, Kyle, I'm just really looking forward to uh, what God's going to do in your life. And so based on the testimony of your faith, um, you're going to get baptized this morning. So Pastor Joseph's going to come out now and uh, baptize you. And uh, we're looking forward to what all God has for you. So, all right, jump on in there. Kyle, do you believe that Jesus Christ came and lived and died for your sins and rose again? I do. Do you believe that Jesus is coming back? I do. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I have. Okay, then Kyle, based on your testimony of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Job, Divine job. appointment, faith commitment, men's small group connected to the body of Christ. It is so exciting just to be a part of what uh, God's doing uh, in and through our committee, through our local body of Christ. And in just a few moments, we're going to get to talk a little bit about what God's doing around the globe uh, for calling a generation that is lost and broken to himself. And so we're glad that you're with us this morning. We have a special morning. And I want to let you know, if you're watching with us online this morning, there's a place in the upper uh, right-hand corner. You can click that link to fill out an online connection card. I would love the opportunity to connect with you if you're watching online. If you have any questions about baptism or about our ministry, I would love the opportunity to connect with you there. Our online hosts are available during the first service to connect with you and pray with you. So if you have any questions at all, uh, please let them know. Also, I want to let you know that our BBS uh, registration is going to be opening up next week. And so it was exciting to see how many of you stepped in to uh, be available for leading small groups. I know Michelle is still putting together a crew. So if you're interested in serving, uh, helping out with VBS, uh, please let Michelle know. But our registration is going to be opening up um, next week, so it'll be an exciting opportunity for us to connect with our community uh, in that way as well. Um, we also are launching a new grief share ministry um, that is just getting started. We have our first meeting coming up on uh, June 5th, and so if you've lost someone, maybe a loved one or a friend, or you know somebody um, that is grieving right now, I just want to encourage you to check out grief share. I mean, you go to our website, springbrook.org, get some information uh, for you there as well. And then uh, if you are interested in getting better connected at Springbrook, maybe you have some questions about our ministry or how you can be connected to what God's doing here, um, we'd love the opportunity to have you join us for our starting point workshop. It's going to be Wednesday evening. Uh, this might be our last Zoom uh, meeting. We're looking at uh, hopefully going in person with that workshop soon. Uh, but we do have a two-week Zoom workshop starting on May 26th. It's a Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. 
And uh, so if you've got questions about our ministry, if you're looking for a place to get connected, I um, would love to talk with you about that as well. If you have not yet downloaded our app, uh, you can text Springbrook app to 77977. It's a great way for you to get connected, register events, uh, be a part of supporting the work that God's doing in and through our ministry. And so if you've got any questions about that, um, please just uh, text Springbrook app to that phone number and it'll show right up on your device. Well, this morning we have a, a special treat. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Dr. David Nelms. Uh, David is a dear, dear friend. I have had an opportunity to uh, travel the globe with him. We've been on many trips uh, in through uh, India and Nepal, so it's been fun. Typically, um, David is introducing me when we're traveling, so I won't, I won't do to you what, what, what you did to me. <laughs> but I tell you, it has been so exciting um, just to be able to see the work that God has been doing in and through um, the Timothy Initiative. Many of you are aware it's a part of our budget for, um, uh, for this year. We've supported uh, the Timothy Initiative through uh, uh, many year-end offerings, and uh, I think I've lost track. I know when we first started working with them, they were in the neighborhood of planting 50,000 churches, then it went to 70, that's 85, and I think they've, uh, you know, that number has just been growing and growing uh, exponentially. It's been so exciting for us to be a part of the work that God's doing in and through your ministry, David. Um, we're looking forward to future initiatives uh, for what God would have for us as we continue to step out uh, together, and I'm really looking forward to our next trip. Uh, so as soon as things calm down a little bit, I'm looking forward to being uh, back on the road with you. But if you would, please give uh, David Wilms a uh, welcome. His wife Loretta is here with him this morning as well. Uh, but thank you uh, both for being with us this morning. So bless your friend. All right. Well, I guess I need the, the mic here. Thank you, Pastor Rich. It's uh, just a great pleasure to be here with you guys. I've been here a few years ago, and you have been just faithful, faithful partners with us. And your Pastor Rich, he's a character. He, uh, nobody laughs like he laughs. He has a very unique laugh. You can pick him out in the crowd. And our guys overseas just absolutely adore him. They, they love listening to him. TTI, the Timothy Initiative, we are an extension of your church. We, uh, the Great Commission is to make disciple makers here, near, and far, and you guys are working on it here and there, but to do it far, ends of the earth, you have to have partners. And so that's what we do. We come along under your umbrella, and we help you make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And in our context, we work in a Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, animist parts of the world. And so in our context, when you lead a few people to the Lord, you start making disciples, they will gather together. The byproduct of making disciple makers is churches get started. So we work primarily among unreached people groups of the world. About 41% of the world is classified as unreached. And basically what that means is you could, you could, uh, you could be born in, in this part of the world, live your life, die, go into eternity, having never heard about Jesus Christ. You may not have even have ever heard his name. But if you did hear his name, it would be just, you'd have no idea who it was. And so that's a part of the world that we work in. We have, we have kind of streamlined this church planting thing in that we have, the way we're able to plant so many churches is we have lowered the cost dramatically. And I think you business people will appreciate this. We have removed from the church planting equation what I call the three S's, which are salaries, sanctuaries, and seminaries. None of those things are bad. They're all very, very good. But they, you don't have to have them to start churches. And so as you, if you, do, you say, how do you get away without paying salaries? We only train lay people. We train 
we train tent makers. Paul was a tent maker. And so whatever they've done to, to exist, they continue doing that. As far as sanctuaries and the parts of the world we live in, you can't build a building like this, not typically. Italy, it, first of all, it wouldn't be legal. Secondly, if you did build it, it would get blown up or burnt down. And thirdly, uh, if, if none of that happens, you get a target. As you walk in, walk out of that building, there's a target on your back. And so you say, where do you meet? In a house, in a cave, under a tree, in a forest, on a rooftop, in an alley, dried out riverbed. Uh, it doesn't matter. Just wherever we can find to meet, that's where we meet. And then finally, on the seminary, we're certainly not anti-seminary, but we believe the church should be the place where believers are equipped to do the work of the ministry, which is primarily the Great Commission. And so as you remove those three S's on this side, the cost of church planting goes down, and as the cost of church planting goes down, the ability, the potential to reproduce and multiply the numbers that you're planting go up. And so Pastor Rich is right. We've passed the 90,000 mark on church plants. We'll pass 100,000, Lord willing, sometime uh, this summer. And one thing unique is, that we do is every church is expected to take care of an orphan or a widow or a traffic uh, slave. And so every for every three, $350 you guys have sent over the years, you have not only trained a church planter and planted a church, but you've also been taking care of an orphan or a widow. And you guys have planted dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of churches. You guys have been a very faithful partner. Uh, let me show you a, a slide here. Put the next slide up if you guys would. The picture, the map there. We, for the last few months and for the months coming, we have been placing your funding that you've been sending into a project that we call a church in every village. And I don't want to mention the names of the countries because we're online here, but we've picked a couple of countries and we've been sending our teams and mapping where churches are and where churches are not where you see white villages there, we just haven't got there yet. Where you see green, we found Christians and churches in those villages. Where you see yellow, we found Christians but no churches. And where you find red, red villages, no Christian, no church. And this is hard for us to understand because some of you drove by 10 churches on your way to church this morning, okay? And if you were down in Alabama or Mississippi, you would have driven by 20 or 30 churches on your way to church this morning, all right? So we're, we're not used to this part of the world, but, but hear me. There are some 3 billion people in the world who have never driven by a church a single time in their life. For that matter, they've never driven. But if they had a car, they would have never driven by a church, not once in their lifetime, simply because there is no church there. They're not there. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus told us to take the gospel to every man, woman, boy, and girl. And ladies and gentlemen, there are more lost people who have never heard about Jesus on the face of the earth right now than there was when Jesus gave us that command. And so what we've been doing with your funding is we've been painting these red villages green, these red and yellow villages green. We've been going in and to villages where there is no church. Not only are you training church planters who are planting churches and taking care of orphans and widows, but you're doing it in places where there's never been a church. And, and some of these villages are the size where the church is able to get the gospel to every single person there. And so, again, for every $1,000 that you guys have sent over the years, we've been able to plant three churches. 
And I want to challenge you. You guys have the potential. You have the potential to paint dozens and dozens, a hundred or more of those red villages uh, green. Now, uh, funding is part of missions. I haven't figured out how to do missions work without money. I just, I wish I could figure it out, but I haven't. But there's something even more important to us than the funding, and that's the prayer. We're in a country right now, it's been in the news a lot, COVID has spiked there. In the last two or three weeks, we've had seven of our leaders die of COVID. Seven. Seven, like Pastor Rich, died of, have died of COVID just in the last couple of weeks. We've got 40 or 50 more in the hospital right now with COVID. We've got, uh, I don't know how many dozens more, maybe hundreds more, who can't, you can't get into the hospitals. They've got two people to a bed. They've got two, three people sharing the same oxygen tank. You've got, uh, you can't even buy, you've got to get it on the black market. And that's just one country. There's another, there was another country recently in the news, Myanmar, the big coup there. They, uh, the uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds have been killed. Uh, the week of the coup, we were scheduled to open up 250 training centers. 250 training centers will train 4,000 church planters. The very week of the coup, we were launching fourth training for 4,000 church planters, and that put an end to everything there, at least for now. I'm saying all of that to say this. Our biggest need by far is prayer. And if you'll put the next slide up for me for those at home online. Whoops, I'm sorry. Go back. There should be a prayer slide there. Nope, the other way, please. Uh, just go back to the map, if you will. That'll be fine. But for those of you online, if you'll, if you'll go to your Connect card, and under where it says prayer request, just put TTI, the Timothy Initiative. Uh, we, will, we will put you on the prayer team. For those of you here right now, if you would be so kind as to take your prayer, your Connect card, and I know you're going to be filling that out. If you haven't already, you'll be putting it in the basket. If you're willing to be on our prayer team, if you'll just write TTI down on the bottom someplace big enough to where we can see it, what we will do is we will send you about once a month a prayer, some prayer requests like the ones I've just mentioned people that are being martyred, people that are having their houses burnt to the ground, people that are just all kinds of issues, all kinds of problems. And these problems, ladies and gentlemen, all the money in the world is not going to change them. You, you could throw all the money in the world at these problems. It's not going to affect it. This kind comes out only by prayer, prayer and fasting. We are looking for people who will be willing to pray. I don't care how long you pray. I don't care if it's a 10-second prayer. All Peter prayed walking on the water to the Jesus as he began to sink. All he said was, Lord, save me. You can say that in like one second. God answered that prayer. I'll take any prayer you'll give us. That's how desperately we need it. If you would take that card and just put TTI on the bottom, drop it in the basket as you go out, and we will put you on that team. The only thing we ask is don't ever post anything on social media. Just pray and then delete the email. Pray and delete. Pray and delete. That's all you have to do. Now, uh, Pastor Rich, I don't know if you're in here, uh, maybe back in the green room, but where are you? I can't see. Whatever. You're here somewhere. Maybe he's out front smoking. I don't know. All right. Uh, but I often tell people in churches, if you came up, if someone came up to me after the service and said, David, would you rather have $10,000 to plant churches or would you rather me join the prayer team? My answer to you would be, can I please have both, okay? I'd prefer to have both, 
But if you say, no, 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 you can't have both, you've got to choose, then I'd say, I want you on the prayer team. And I really mean that. There was a day in my life where I may not have meant it, but I mean it now. What I've seen, what I've experienced, we need, the, you, you guys have been such a faithful church. You've been so faithful in your funding. We really need the prayer. If you can possibly take a few, a couple of minutes a month and remember us in prayer, it'll mean the world to us. It'll do so much good. Just put TTI on that card. Well, with that having been said, I want to talk to you this morning about the solution. The solution. And I want to begin with the scriptures. Genesis 12 and verse 3, if you guys will put that up for me. God said to Abraham, I'll bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Talking about Abraham's descendant, his seed, Jesus. God said to Abraham, through Jesus, all the families, all the family groups, the people groups, the nations, if you will, of the earth will be blessed. Look at the next verse, Psalms 67 and verse 3. The psalmist wrote, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Talking about the people groups, the ethnicities, the nations of the world, not just the Jew, not just the American, not just the Canadian, not just the uh, the, uh, the the Kenyan. Let the peoples, all the peoples, all the people groups of the world praise you. We're working our way through the scriptures here. We started in Genesis. We've moved to the Psalms. Let's move into the prophets. Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 7. You may be familiar with this verse. God said through the prophet, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. I cannot tell you how many hundreds of times I've heard this verse quoted over the years across our country, and they always leave out those last three words. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Yes, but for who? For all peoples. Can you say those three words out loud with me? For all peoples. God's house is a house of prayer. Say it. For all peoples. Let's move into the New Testament. Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 48. This is after his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection. He has gathered his apostles and his followers together. And look about halfway through. He said that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Can you say those words with me? To all nations. They started where they were in Jerusalem, but they didn't stop there. You must focus. You must start where you are right here. Thank God for this baptism we just saw. But you don't stop here. Repentance of sins, forgiveness and re- through repentance of sins is to be pro- proclaimed to people, uh, to, to all nations. And finally, let's get to the last book of the Bible, the book you've been studying, Revelation 5 and verse 9. There are several places in Revelation where this theme is mentioned. But here we find ourselves in the throne room of heaven before the, uh, before at the feet of Jesus Christ. You will be there one day. Everyone in this room is pictured in this verse. And this is where we're going to uh, sing that Thou Art Worthy song, that new song to the Lord. And in the song, we're going to be saying, You were slain, Jesus, and by your blood you ransomed people. By the way, you ransomed, purchased people for God. Have you ever wondered why God saved you? He didn't save you so much for you. He saved you for Him. 
He saved you so that you would glorify Him and live for Him and advance His kingdom. And everything He's given you, your mind, your personality, your wealth, your family, your influence, your body, everything He's given you, He's given to you so that you can honor Him with it and glorify Him. He ransomed you. He purchased you with His blood for God. It's for God that you and I exist. But look who He purchased, who He ransomed for God. People from every tribe and language and people and nation. Do you see it there? There will be gathered around the throne of Jesus Christ one day, blood-bought, ransomed people from every tribe, every language, every people, every people group, and every nation. I don't usually share what I'm getting ready to share in churches, but because you've been studying through Revelation, this verse is quite interesting to me. You see, there's about, when it talks about the, the every people and nation, there's about 12,000 people groups or ethnicities that make up the human race. There's two or three hundred nations, geopolitical nations in the world, Canada, USA, Mexico, Belize. But that's not what this is talking about. The, the peoples, the people groups, ethnicities, there's about 12,000 different ethnicities that make up the human race. Picture on your mind, in your mind, if you would, on this wall behind me, this big wall, 12,000 sticky notes. And on each sticky note, there's the name of one people group, one ethnicity. That wall would contain the ethnicities that make up the entire human race. Jesus told us that one day around his throne, there would be people gathered from every single people group. We are part of a conglomeration of ministries that, that work together through an organization called Finishing the Task. Finishing the Task, some of you have heard the name Rick Warren. He's the president of it. Finishing the Task has been tracking the people groups in the world, which ones have been engaged with the gospel and which ones have not. As of a couple of months ago, out of all the 12,000-plus ethnicities that make up the human race, there's only 159 left that have yet to be engaged with the gospel. So picture in your mind on this wall up here, 12,000 sticky notes. That represents the whole human race. And by the way, Matthew 24, 14 says, when every nation, when every people group is heard, then the end will come. Right now, out of those 12,000 sticky notes, there's only 159 left on the wall. The others have all been engaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But of those 159, actually, there are no sticky notes left on the wall. For some missionary organization, some church, somebody has stepped forward and taken every one of those 159 sticky notes off the wall, promising to engage them quickly with the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the first time in 2,000 years since Jesus told us to take the gospel to the whole world, for the first time ever, there are no sticky notes left on the wall. The entire human race has either been engaged or they're right on the verge of being engaged with the gospel. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because we're getting close, ladies and gentlemen, to this becoming reality right here. We're getting close to the return of Jesus Christ. What we're going to do, we need to do. I pray you will leave here today with a sense of urgency.
If you're 30 years old, you might be thinking, well, I'm going to work 35 more years and I'll get serious. I don't think you're going to have 35 more years, ladies and gentlemen. And whether I'm right or wrong on that, though, these verses that you've looked at reveal God's heart. He wants the nations to know him. Whether he's coming back tomorrow, next month, next year, next decade, the point of these verses is this. God's in God's heart. He loves the people of this world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It is in God's heart that the nations come to know him. Every people, every place. But, let me transition here. There is an awful problem. Here's the problem. If you want to put that next slide up for me. Most people don't know him. And many people have never even heard of him. This is not an exaggerated statement. I would dare say that where you work tomorrow, where you shop tomorrow, the neighborhood you live in, most of the people you will see may know about him, but they do not know him, not in a personal relationship type of way. And most of the people in this world do not know him, and many have never even heard of him. As I just stated the statistic a moment ago, according to the Joshua Project, 41% of the world is classified as unreached people groups. There's 7.5 billion people on the face of the earth. Over 5 billion of them will tell you, I am not a Christian. If you could put a little census form in the hand of every single person on the face of the earth, 7.5 billion, round number. And if on that form it said, Mark, which you are, Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, uh, none of the above, atheist, whatever, over 5 billion of them would mark something other than a Christian. Five plus billion people. In the next 24 hours, 155,000 people will die and go into eternity without Jesus Christ. They will go into eternity lost. 155,000 people in the next 24 hours. I think you guys are in Huntley, Illinois here. I think that's where you're at, or you're close to Huntley. I have no idea where I am. But I Googled it this morning. Huntley has about 27,000 people, roughly. So by, by in the next 24 hours, by this time tomorrow morning, the number of people in this world that would have left this world and gone into eternity lost would be the equivalent of everyone in Huntley once, twice, three times, four times, five times, and almost six times. That's every single day. I know this is a Bible teaching church. I have pretty much concluded in my mind that many of us that call ourselves Bible believers, we believe the Bible here as an intellectual doctrine or fact, but it is yet to move down into our hearts the reality of what we say we believe. You are a Bible-believing church. You understand the Bible teaches when you leave this world, you either go to a place called heaven where you're in the presence of God forever and ever and there's no more sorrow, no more suffering, or you go to a place called hell. You are a Bible-believing church. I know you understand that. 
I know you understand that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father. Nobody comes to the Father. Nobody except through me. I know you understand that. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, in the next 24 hours, 155,000 people are going to go into eternity lost, having not known Jesus. And for all eternity, they will be lost. And what bothers me the most is that what I just said does not bother us more than it bothers us. Some of you have friends and relatives and loved ones that that not only do not know Jesus, you've never even talked to them about Jesus. Do we really believe what we say we believe? Do we really believe that people dying without Jesus die lost and spend eternity in a place called hell? But what grieves me so much about what I've just shared with you is that many of these people go into eternity without ever even having heard about Jesus Christ. They've never heard of the cross. They've never seen a cross. They would have no idea what you were talking about if you talked about an empty tomb. They don't know about Easter Sunday. They don't know about Christmas. They don't know about God so loving the world that He sent His own Son, Isaiah 53 says, to be slaughtered like a lamb. They don't know that story. They don't know the love of God, the forgiveness of God. They don't know that their lives can be changed. It's not so much that they're rejecting Jesus. They don't know who He is. And the reason they don't know who He is is because nobody has ever told them. I was in a country. Your pastor has been there with me. We went to visit a church. It was the very first church ever in one of those people groups we just talked about. There had never been a church. And you guys have had a part, by the way, in planting the very first churches ever in 40 different people groups, 40 previously unengaged, unreached people groups now have churches. First church ever. And I was in the very first church ever of, a, of a, one of those UUPGs, unengaged, unreached people groups. And they were singing praise songs to Jesus in the market language, the main language of the people. But I asked them, I said, can you sing a song for me in your own mother tongue, in your own language? And they kind of talked back and forth for a second. And then they said, no, we cannot. And I said, why can't you? And they said, there are no songs to Jesus written yet in our language. This was the very first church ever for that people group. Now, my guess, in a, a crowd this size, there are several of you that have written songs. If I'm sure some of these worship uh, team people are so talented, so gifted up here. Some of them have probably written a song. You have had more songs to Jesus written in your congregation than this entire ethnicity had ever had. Nobody in their people group, their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, great-great, they, they, they had never even heard about Jesus Christ. The next day I was in another one of our churches and a young man stood up and he gave this testimony. He said, I, lived, I, li- I was born and raised in the mountains. I left the mountains and came down to the city recently looking for work, looking for a job. One of you found me on the street. You told me about Jesus. He said, I didn't know who Jesus was, but I accepted him. He has changed my life. He said, last week I got baptized, and now this week I'm here to tell you that I'm going back to my village. My parents are still alive, but they're very old. I've got brothers and sisters. I've got aunts and uncles and everyone I've known my entire life, all my friends. 
He said, none of them have ever heard the name Jesus. None of them know who he is. They have no idea. They don't know who Jesus is. I came down here to get a job, but hang the job. I'm going back, and I'm going to tell my family and friends about Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you stories like this forever and ever. So much of the world does not know who he is. And God has blessed us so much. Most of us have a car, two cars, three cars. We have houses. We have property. We have jobs. We have money in the bank. God has blessed us. Has he not blessed us to be a blessing to the world? Has he just blessed us so we can cram stuff into our pockets and cram more and more into our pockets? Or has he blessed us so that we will take what he's given us and use it to advance his kingdom? He redeemed us for God. Remember that. For God, not for our pleasure, not for our benefit, for God. I could go on and on. I was in another country just before COVID broke, and I got to the hotel and checked in, and they had a little restaurant downstairs, and I was hungry. It was about 7 o'clock at night, 7.30, and I went downstairs. I was the only one in the restaurant, that part of the world, everybody eats real late. And so it was just me, and the waitress came over. Her name was Nan Wee. And then we, in her broken English, asked me, she said, where are you from? I said, I'm from the States. And then she asked, what do you do? And I was so glad she asked that because that's going to put us on the right uh, track now. And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And she replied with a question that I thought she would reply with. She said, what is a pastor? I said, well, a pastor, I'm thinking on the inside, yes. But on the outside, I said, a pastor is a guy that works at a place called a church. She then asked, what is a church? I said, well, a church is a place where that pastor takes a book called the Bible and he teaches people from that book called the Bible. She then asked, can you guess what she asked? What is a Bible? I said, the Bible is a book where they recorded the words that came out of the mouth of the creator of the heavens and the earth, the God who created you, Nan we, the God who created your beautiful country. And in his words, in his message that are recorded in that book, he tells us how that he can change our lives. He can take away all the shame, the brokenness, the guilt. He can put our lives back together. He can forgive our sins and put joy and peace inside and how that we can know him and have a relationship with him. And he becomes our father. You can become his daughter. I became his son. And the the best part of all is when we leave this world, when we die, we wake up in his presence, and we get to live with him in his house forever and ever, where there's no suffering, no sorrow, no, no sickness, no pain, no tears. And by that time, her eyes were real big, and she asked, do you have one of these Bibles, can I see it? About that time, a buddy of mine walked in the, the, the restaurant. I knew he'd have his phone on him. Mine was up in my room. And I said, Dave, this is Nan Wee. She's never seen the Bible. Show her the Bible. And he had a little Bible.is app on his phone. If you don't have it, you need to get it. It's got the Bible in like a thousand different languages on there. So he, he clicked to the Burmese language. And then he clicked on John, and then chapter 3, and it was an audio uh, version. So he clicked on the audio button, 
and for the first time in Nan Wee's life, she's hearing the Word of God. She's never heard it, never seen a Bible. I watched as she reached over. She didn't even ask. She just reached over and took the phone out of Dave's hand, and she began to scroll down. She listened to the entire chapter, all 36 verses. When she got done, Dave asked her, do you believe what you've heard? And she said, yes, God was preparing her heart. I watched as she got saved right then and there. By that time, it's about 7.45 at night. I went back up to my room, and I couldn't sleep, jet lag or something. About 1.30 in the morning, I said, "This, I'm tired of tossing and turning. I thought, I'm going to go downstairs, see if I can find some staff that's up that speaks English. I'm going to tell them about Jesus, make myself useful. I found four staff downstairs that could speak English. All four of them, as I started talking to Jesus, all four of them, Nan, we had already talked to them about Jesus Christ. And it had only been since 7.30, 7.45 that night. The next morning, we got up to leave early. It was Nan Wee's day off, but she came to tell us goodbye. And she told us with tears, she said, I went home and told my sister about Jesus. My sister wants to know more about Jesus. So we sent a Timothy there to tell her about Jesus. And then she looked at us and she said, for the first time in my life, I feel pure. I feel pure. We walked across the street to the river. We got in a little Burmese dugout boat. There are these little narrow, long things with an engine on the back. We sat in it. It pops up. We went out to the middle of this lake. took 45 minutes of traveling to get there. We have, they have uh, villages on stilts out in the middle of the water, uh, lake houses. I mean, literally lake houses, not like you have here, but literally lake houses. There's no road. It's just a boat to get there. And we've started churches out in those lake villages. And one Buddhist family of about 40 people, 25 of them, young lady, new believer, had led to Christ. 25 Buddhist families. I'm going to tell you something. It's not easy leading a Buddhist to the Lord. This young lady's led 25 of them to the Lord, just in her family. One 16-year-old girl stood up and gave this testimony. She pointed to the young lady that had led her to the Lord. She said, I'm 16 years old. She said, before she told me about Jesus a couple of months ago, she said, I'd never heard his name. She wasn't rejecting Jesus. She didn't know who he was. We drove by 10 churches on the way to church this morning. We, we, we've lost count of how many Bibles we have in our homes. God has been so good to us. Can somebody say Amen. God has been so good to us. Listen, she's never even heard his name. About that, after that, testimony, an old guy about my age stood up, and he turns out he was the mayor of the little, or chief of the a little village there. 4,000 people lived there. He sang a song he, that he had written. He'd only been a believer for two months. Only been a believer for two months, and he'd already written a praise song to Jesus Christ. Same thing, guy my age had never heard about Jesus Christ. What am I saying, ladies and gentlemen? I'm saying this is a big problem. If, 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 if what we say is true is really true, that salvation is only through Jesus Christ, if you guys really believe that, listen to me, 40% of the world doesn't even have any idea who he is. And two-thirds of the world will tell you they're not a follower of Christ. This is a major problem. And then there's the United States. What about our country? Our nation is in spiritual darkness. Did you see the poll that just came out last month? For the first time ever in the history of our nation, since they've been asking this question, for the first time ever, less than 50% of the people in our country claim any kind of a religious affiliation at all. There are now more people in our country that say, I have zero religious affiliation. And I'm talking about if you lump together Jews, Christians, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, 
all of the above. There's still more in our country who say, I have no affiliation than all of the other combined. If the Bible is true, this is an awful problem. For the wrath of God awaits these people. And if you think I'm exaggerating that, read John 3.36. The Bible says those who reject the Son, those who do not know that Jesus, those who do not have Jesus, the wrath of God abides on them. If you see anything when you study the book of Revelation, you see a graphic picture of the wrath of God. So, what's the solution? What are we going to do about this big, bad problem? The solution is Jesus, obviously. But I'm going to tell you something that you may not realize. The solution is also us. Us. For you see, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, the people, and he said that God had entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Therefore, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Notice all the us's in there. Paul didn't, in the we's. Paul didn't say God's making his appeal through me. God said, Paul said to the church at Corinth, the people, God has entrusted us. We, you and me both, we are his ambassadors. We have the message of reconciliation. Reconciliation means here's God, here's Adam and Eve. They fell away from God in sin, but through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, they can be reconciled. They can be brought back into a right and righteous relationship with God. That's what the word means, to be brought back into a relationship, a right and righteous relationship with God. That message has been given to us. Listen, look at this verse. It's more than a command. It's more than a duty. It's more than an obligation. It is a trust. Almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is looking down on you today, and here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm trusting you to tell the world they can be reconciled to me. All my life, I've heard about us trusting God. One day, this verse really got a hold of me. In this case, God is trusting us. There is no plan B. You're it. Either you get serious about getting the gospel of the world. When I say you, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Either we get serious about getting the gospel of the world, about this message of reconciliation, or, ladies and gentlemen, it does not happen. We are to tell the world about Jesus. We are the solution. We are his witnesses. We are his ambassadors. So how do we do it? Very quickly, number one, through our generosity. Our generosity. You guys have been a very generous church. We must we must all become, listen, if Jesus was anything, he was generous. Jesus, get, he died without a penny in his pocket. He could have snapped his fingers and had all the gold in the world, and he died without a penny in his pocket. He, gave, he even gave away the robe on his back as they, as they crucified him. A generosity, the, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. And I don't have time to, to speak on this verse, but the point is this, ladies and gentlemen, we talk about funding the Great Commission. Uh, you can't even spell the word fund without first spelling the word fun. It ought, to be, it ought to be a cheerful thing, a happy thing that we get, that we get to spread the gospel. It ought to be fun to, to us. Uh, pastor Rich, I've been preaching now for 49 years and been a pastor for decades and decades. 
I cannot tell you how many times people have said to me before church is starting, hey, Dave, Pastor David, can we just can we cut down on the preaching a little bit and just have more time to sing songs, more worship time? I've, I've been asked that a million times. I've even been asked a few times, can we cut out some of the music so we have more time to preach? I think I've been asked that twice. And my mother was one of them, okay? That's like in 40-something years, 49 years. But you know what I've never been asked a single time in my life? Almost 50 years. I've never had anybody walk up to me and say, David, can we just, can we push the singing to the end? Can we push the preaching to the end? Can we start with the offering? I can't wait. I mean, all week long I've been looking forward to giving. Can we just go ahead and do the offering first? I've never heard that one time. The truth is many people use money as an excuse not to come to church. All they want is our money. Listen to me. The only way we're going to get the gospel to the ends of the earth is through the generosity of God's people. And then secondly, through our obedience. Jesus said, make disciples. They made disciples. It cost them everything, but within 30 years they turned the world upside down. Are you willing to be obedient to God's command to be a disciple maker here, near, and far? And finally, finally, how are we going to solve this big problem, this awful problem of the world not knowing Jesus, it will be through our prayers. Something interesting about that first church, if you want to go ahead and move it forward, guys, on the slides, move it up to the uh, prayer. Keep going, keep going. There now we're caught up. Right, no, look, look at this right here. Right before the church was birthed, Acts one fourteen, it says they devoted themselves to, to praying. And then between those two verses, you have the birth of the church. And then in Acts 2.42, right after the church is birthed, it says they devoted themselves to, among other things, prayer. You know what fueled the spread of the gospel in that original apostolic New Testament church? It was prayer. More than it was money, it was prayer. I think maybe even more than it was the obedience of witnessing, it was prayer. They prayed. That's why I'm asking you to join the prayer team. That's why I'm wanting you to turn in that card. I want to close by telling you one story, and if the worship team wants to gather now, they can. There's a gal named Genty, if you'll put up that next picture for me. Genty. She's a little older here in this picture than what you're getting ready to hear, but when she was a younger girl, one of our TTI Timothys went into her village and preached the gospel, and 20 or 30 people responded it was a village of about a 1,000 people, and the, the rest of the village was furious. They were angry. And the chief, the main man in the village, wrote out a document. Basically, the document stated, uh, I have decided to denounce my new faith in Jesus. I'll come back and worship the goddesses that our village has been worshiping. And so they brought those little 25 or 30 believers together, a 1,000 people around, people sh- shouting and screaming and yelling at them, shaking their fists. And, one, and they basically said, either you step forward and sign this document or we will kill you. And so one by one, these brand new believers, intimidated, full of fear, stepped forward and signed their name. And we can criticize them. We can stand in judgment of them. But I would suggest you not do so until you're in that situation see what you would do. They got little children. They're going to kill their little children, perhaps. Genty's mother was standing next in line holding Genty's hand. It came her turn. She walked up and she picked up the writing piece and she did something on the sheet. 
And she went back and stood by her daughter, Genty. When the chief looked at the paper, she had not signed her name saying she would denounce Jesus, but rather she had drawn a cross. She had drawn a cross. They took her mother in front of her eyes and they beat her 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 to death. Genty watched as they beat her mother to death. There was another little church that we'd started in a village just a few minutes away, and those believers came and took Genty. Remember I told you every one of your churches take care of an orphan. That little church came and took Genty, and they raised her, and they took care of her. Now she's serving the Lord. She's a young lady. Oh, I, I could tell you stories like that all day. It's a good thing there's another service. i got to stop. But I, I look at, I, I hear this stuff, and what always comes to my mind is the words of that old song, Must I be carried to the sky on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? Why has God blessed us so abundantly? Why has He given us so much? Do we have a commission? Is it a great commission? Is all this stuff we talk about in the Bible true? Are people lost without Jesus? Is Jesus the only answer? Yes. What are we supposed to be doing? We must. We must. We are the solution. You guys are the solution. Jesus in you. You are the solution through your giving, through your obedience, through your prayers. You are His solution to a lost world. So what will your response be? I'm going to ask Pastor Rich to come, close the service as he sees fit. It is a great honor to be one of your missionaries. I count it a, a real honor to be able to stand here and share it before you today. Pastor Rich. Roger. <clears throat> Revelation 5 says, I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written on the front and the back sealed with seven seals and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals and no one in heaven or on earth or under earth was able to open the scroll and look into it and I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and to look into it and one of the elders said weep no more behold the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals the verse 9 passage is when the elders in the throne room all began to sing with a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. Isn't that great? The solution is Jesus Christ. We live in a fallen and broken world. We can see that certainly globally. We see that in our own communities. And Jesus is the solution, and we've been entrusted with that message and so it's a privilege for us to be able to come alongside and support the work that TTI is doing internationally. Our Acts 1-8, pace, our Acts 1-8 passage says that we're to be witnesses in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And it's exciting to be able to see how the work that God has done in and through this ministry has enabled us to be witnesses in each one of those categories. We're effective in our Jerusalem, in our church family, in our immediate community. We're effective in our Samaria as we plant churches in Indiana, in Illinois, in our surrounding states, and we're part of a conference of churches that are taking seriously the Great Commission to planting churches to the very ends of the earth through the TTI. 
And so it's exciting for us to be able to partner with that. I want to thank you for the support that you have given our ministry financially that has been able, enabled us to do that. And I also want to thank you for your prayers that have supported and undergirded this ministry um, through a terrible season this past year. And I want to encourage you to continue to pray for this ministry and for TTI as well. And so if you are in person with us this morning, you've got a connection card, a welcome slip that's on your chair there. And if you are interested in being a part of that prayer team, just put your name and your email address on that and then write TTI at the bottom. And uh, we'll sign you up to be a part of uh, the prayer team with TTI. If you're watching with us online this morning and you have logged in, uh, if you will just put TTI prayer in the comment section, uh, we'll capture your name and your email address and we'll add you to that prayer team as well. Or you can fill out that online connection card as well. Give us your contact information and I'll write TTI at the bottom. We'd love the opportunity um, to have you be a part of what God's doing to the very ends of the earth. And it's a privilege for us to be able to support you and support uh, in so many different ways for the work that you're doing around the globe. I want to thank you, David and Loretta, for your sacrifice and for your investment in leaders and for what God's been doing there. We're going to continue to pray for you and look forward to what God has um, for us together. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, I just want to thank you for this uh, day you've given us today. I thank you, uh, God, for the hope that we have in Christ. Uh, God, we have been entrusted uh, with a gift, and um, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to be effective at being witnesses in our community, uh, God, in our region, in our nation, and to the very ends of the earth. God, thank you for your provision uh, for this ministry. And we just come to you this morning, God, with a new song in our voice. God, thank you for the hope that we have in Christ and for the opportunity we have to celebrate that together. Uh, God, we look forward to all that you have for us, and we commit our lives to you, we commit this ministry to you, and, uh, and we commit this day to you. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand together and respond to this word, this encouragement, this challenge that we have received here this morning.
spending this time in worship with us this morning. It's truly our honor. It's our privilege. It's our delight. Thank you, Pastor David, for speaking so powerfully this morning. So I want to read this benediction over us as we go today. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Go now in the power of the Lord to love and serve him. Have a blessed, blessed week.